0: This is podcast 376, entitled Fury, and the song by Dickerson and Los Straightjackets I brought in simply because it is an emblematic expression of the universal principle that so many of the tracks created by Los Straightjackets embody, which is that the last third or even the last quarter of the song is where everything happens. And this, as I've often said to you, happens to be about life, where very uh, often you you lose in the last quarter, the last third, the last fifth of your life, you sort of lose the plot and people turn to alcohol. A huge number of older people become alcoholics where that emerges as the prime anesthetic for the decline of the body in later life or you um, endlessly repeat a certain game that you like or a certain activity that you like or a certain kind of transference of attachment to grandchildren, which is important and very good, but can be way <clears throat> overdone. And you, um, you would much rather have the inevitable spirit of appropriate detachment and withdrawal of commitment to the here and now in favor of something enduring and eternal. You'd much rather have that. Uh, uh, and then, if you see things as they really are, which I believe you do, or can, then wouldn't it be great to import that back to when you were in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, and you were beating your head against the wall and running around like crazy and stressed by children and older parents and career and financial questions and travel and process? And <clears throat> I mean, I've just been uh, recently with Mary uh, renewing various... Uh, Uh, documents that we have legally, uh, passports, things of that nature, and uh, making sure that our health plans were all right, and just, just the amount of hassle that is involved in just memorizing your security codes and your pins to get into your various accounts. I mean, oh my gosh, you can spend an entire day, 48 hours on the phone waiting to speak to a representative of some particular institution that you need to... Contact, And then you, at the last minute, don't have some very important number in your head or you have left it upstairs or you, you do something wrong with your phone and you get cut off after having been waiting three hours. I mean, the process overwhelms you, whatever age you are. And the power of uh, those straight singles is that they take you somewhere... Let me take you higher at the end, and I want to uh, really import to you, the living, to you in midlife, what I uh, have found, because I've found it to be true and accurate based upon experience and also the resources of faith and scripture and... Um, insight that I derive from certain literary and other figures in the past uh, and essentially the eternity of that which is eternal which is ultimately the most important thing about us our souls and I want to bring that into your present consciousness so that's why I start off with the straight jackets and by the way we'll end with um their unusual cover of the Beatles' great single, I Feel Fine, which again has that listen for the conclusion of the song where it all comes together. Now, um, it all comes together in Our Town Act 3 by Thornton Wilder, which I've evoked recently, and it's very important. Uh, partly I've evoked it because the, um, the brand-new Blu-rays changed the world with its... Uh, now you can really see the movie as it was made. Incidentally, this is the third um, recording of this cast because I had um, uh, like a sore throat or I kept coughing in the first two and part of me wants to keep that in it because it makes it real like I used to when someone would interrupt me on the telephone or a garage door would go up or down downstairs or something else would happen and I would often leave it in the cast as a kind of token of spontaneity. It's like that moment in Louie Louie when the um, vocalist makes an error. You know, there's a, there's an actual error. You can hear it in any recording of the original single "Louis Louis," And the Kingsman didn't change it. I mean, they left this single, this this mistake, and yet it, it's, it adds a kind of <clears throat> immediacy to it that is great. But in this case, I was coughing so much, and I hope I'm all right. I've got something to drink beside me, which is not scotch, but which is Diet Coke that is caffeine-free, no sugar, no calories. Give me a break. It's like eating... Avocado toast, but I have to do it. Now, um, (coughs) the power of uh, what we are talking about, which is the understanding that ultimately we are given when we die to detach from a great, great deal of what we have been focused on. Not all things, especially the enduring and eternal character of love. That's not a cliche. That's actual. You see it when you're dying. You see it when you're sick. You see it in stress, <clears throat> in stressful moments. You can see it when you're 12. You can see it when you're two, but the when you're two months. But the uh, power of bringing the insight as the um, into the into the from the end the jackets element you might say, but bringing it into the now is um, is really seen at, at the despair that the recently deceased Emily who died at about age 26 or 27 in childbirth when she goes back and she now sees the truth of what she didn't see when she was on this earth and she really tries to reason with the people that she has returned to and of course they can't see her and they can't see it and she, she 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 wants to shake them to see what's really true and important and wonderful and enduring about their lives in the now back then which they don't see but she sees it now And it's a lesson for us, which Wilder so brilliantly evokes. And here's a little bit of what she has seen. She's just died, and the stage manager, who's sort of really the God, he's sort of the God's guide, I would say more than an archangel, but not Jesus Christ, but somewhere in between. He says, um, as he leads the audience of our town around the cemetery of Grover's Corners, New Hampshire, he says, yes, an awful lot of sorrow has sort of quieted down up here. And we're coming up here ourselves when our fit is over. Now, there are some things we all know, he continues, but we don't take them out and look at them very often. We all know that something is eternal. And it ain't houses, and it ain't names, and it ain't earth, and it ain't even the stars. Everybody knows in their bones that something is eternal. And that something has to do with human beings. All the greatest people who have ever lived have been telling us that for 5,000 years. And yet you'd, you'd be surprised how people are always losing hold of it. There's something way down deep that's eternal about every human being. Let me read just a little bit more. You know as well as I do that the dead don't stay interested in us living people for very long. Gradually, they lose hold of the earth and the ambitions they had and the pleasures they had and the things they suffered and the people they loved. They they get weaned away from earth. That's the way I put it, weaned away. And they stay here while the earth part of them burns away, burns out, and all that time they slowly get indifferent to what's going on in Grover's Corners. Aren't they waiting for the eternal part in them to come out? All those terribly important things kind of grow pale around here, and what's left when memory's gone and your identity, Mrs. Smith? He looks at the audience a minute. Now, that is a slightly abridged... um reading of a kind of soliloquy that is as powerful as anything that's ever been written in modern times. Life, yes, as Shakespeare said, is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing, but uh, in the Macbeth character is at a point of despair when he says those brilliant words which, uh, which miss half of it, and the half of it is it's something else. There's something, uh, there's something happening all the time that is eternal. And that's your soul. That's the part of you that is really real. <clears throat> and when Emily Gibbs returns, having just died, to the scene of her 12th birthday... She's heartbroken, and this is the truth. You know, the word heartbroken is so overused these days. People are heartbroken because of something that happened to some, somebody they've never met, never will meet, and really don't honestly care about after the moment of feeling heartbroken. But they're not heartbroken. Heartbroken is when you see your life collapse around you. Heartbroken is when your wife dies suddenly and unexpectedly. Heartbroken is when one of your children gets some, into some terrible, disastrous mess. That's what heartbroken is. Um, But she is in fact heartbroken when she returns as now a recently deceased person to the scene of her 12th birthday and she sees what's really going on and it's not bad. She sees the altruistic and extremely thoughtful love of her mother, not just for herself at age 12 on her birthday morning, but for her father who returns from a trip to Hamilton College in Clinton, New York in the scene and has brought a beautiful present for his daughter and hasn't forgotten for a second that it's his daughter's 12th birthday and obviously... The Mother and the Father are deeply love one another, and then there 's a son, a Brother who comes down who she knows has died in the interim and um, she keeps wanting to say won 't you look at each other won 't you see what 's going on and at first, you think it 's kind of a a kind of a, a, Deification of the of the here and now for its own sake, or the small things for its own sake, and that's not what she's saying. She's saying, won't you see the rea- the deep love that is actually here in this situation, the wonderful eternal thing that I had when I was twelve, and my father had when I was twelve, and my mother had when I was twelve, and my dear brother with all his hopes and dreams as a Boy Scout had. And you're not seeing what's important. You don't even look at each other. Re- read Act Three again, and I want you to um. In in your life, I say this as your 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 pastor and your rector and your uh, your your um. Oh, uh, well-meaning, parsonary figure, PZ. Look at what's really happening. Look at what's really important. It's it's there. It's not as if I've got to. You've got to sum it up, or you've got to make some negative statement, or you've got to sort of relax as I used to be told constantly by my clerical colleague in South Carolina, I kept saying, you know, I'd like to relax. I wish you wouldn't say that, I would say. Actually, I thought it wouldn't say it. I can't relax. I'm not able to relax. Because in the here and now, I had so many senses of burdens of stress and accountability and responsibility and wanting to succeed and all the things you have as a young person and also bringing up these wonderful young sons with my wonderful wife. And... Um, whose anniversary, 50th, we have just celebrated a week ago. And this is just, um, you want to open your eyes, you know, see what's happening now. What's happening now, you sort of really know. When you listen to a song you like, you know. When you read a piece of literature you like, you know. When you have a wonderful conversation with someone you care about, you know. When you give yourself to a man, when you give yourself to a woman of heart, when you give yourself to a task, when you offer yourself up for service in some Heartfelt, uh, passionate interest and concern for whatever cause is dear to your heart because of your own life and your own missings and your own gaps and also your own encouragements and incentives. All of that is important. And I can tell you, the living, this mess was <laughs> this mash was meant to. I say it all the time, but I really believe it. Listen to what our town is saying. Listen to what the State Decades are saying. They're asking you to look at the eternal, which is right there now. And um that will instead of <clears throat> kind of um, being kind of a dissing or a You know, a diminishing of what you're actually having to deal with. It's really the rediscovery of what you're really dealing with. And if you could just be animated in the now, not by demand, and not by burden, but by joy and uh, detachment in the relationship to the Department of Motor Vehicles or in the relationship to... um, what is it, the Trusted Traveler Program to get your TSA pre-check. I mean, all these things that take up so much time, in my case, United Healthcare and getting things straight about uh, uh, getting the right card for the right season to cover the right operations or the right procedures and all of this. Oh, my gosh, you know, wouldn't it be great if you did it from, from a physician of joy and kind of, well, I have to do this, but I'm really interested in Mary or I'm really interested in coming to terms. I'm really interested in this particular podcast that I can do, even if it's the third time I feel strongly enough about the content of it that I want to persevere. That's what we're talking about. So thank you for listening. That's all I had. I'm trying to import to you the some of the lessons that I feel I've had to learn in age 72. Sounds like a bummer, but it's not. Uh, um, and what Thornton Wilder so brilliantly said in an early stage of his career in 1938 and uh, Uh, put it anachronistically back, retroactively, stamp it, impute it to you in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, impute it to you. And uh, that learning can give your present tense uh, such uh, joy and purpose that uh, so many things will become secondary that appeared to be primary and become ultimate that appeared to be, you were longing to put the first thing first. You were longing to put the horse before the cart, but... Um, it is uh possible, and I would say that uh, Emily uh, is uh, telling us all to do that in the last act of our town, and even the uh, Les jacket's uh, whose wonderful uh, version, which is quiet it's not one of their most dramatic turnings at the end, but you'll see as always they uh the last is the best part of it, and then it makes me want to listen to all of it. Love you. <laughs>